about the joy Seeing the beautiful in everything We make a choice in choosing what we see And it's all about the joy Yeah, it's all about the joy Yeah, you can choose to see the ugly side But then eventually you realize That it's all about the joy Smell out spring A bright blue sky A wintry glow On a harvest night All of the shadows in my mind Fade into the morning light In the mystery, in serenity A peace you feel inside And it's all about the joy Seeing the beautiful in everything We make a choice in choosing what we see And it's all about the joy Yeah, it's all about the joy Yeah, you could choose to see the ugly side But then eventually I realize That it's all about the joy Breaking news We have a choice To sing the blues Or to rejoice When we know the greatest force Is the love that's at our course It's the energy of eternity It's showered from our source And it's all about the joy Seeing the beautiful in everything We make a choice in choosing what we see And it's all about the joy Yeah, it's all about the joy Yeah, you could choose to see the ugly side But then eventually it's realized That it's all about the joy All about the joy All about the joy Everybody sing with me All about the joy It's all about the joy Keep it going All about the joy In our faces All about the joy Here and now All about the joy In all places All about the joy In our town All about the joy In the daytime All about the joy At night All about the joy In each moment Joy, joy, joy In this life Yeah, it's all about the joy It's all about the joy Yeah, it's all about the joy One more time, y'all It's all about the joy Okay, so you know I, I um, sometimes have something prepared, and, I, and once I take this seat, it just completely shifts. So it just completely shifted, um, and I, <clears throat> I'm going to try to put these, these two things together because I got one signal this morning, <laughs> and I have a different signal right now. So I'm going to start with the, 
with the most current signal, and then I'm going to wrap it into what was originally my talk. And I am reading today from the Tao Te Ching, and it's number 38. It says, the man of superior character is not conscious of his character. Hence, he has character. But the man of inferior character is intent on not losing character. Hence, he is devoid of character. The man of superior character never acts with an ulterior motive. The man of inferior character acts with an ulterior motive. The man of superior justice acts with an ulterior motive. But when the man of superior Lee acts and finds no response, he rolls up his sleeves to force it on others. It says, therefore, after Tao is lost, then arises the doctrine of humanity. And after humanity is lost, then arises the doctrines of justice. And after justice is lost, then arises the doctrine of Lee. Now, Lee is the thinning out of loyalty and honesty. Some call it expediency, doing what is expedient. expedient. And it is a shadow of right and a shadow of truth. And it is the beginning of chaos. So if we want to know like where we are in terms of degeneration, that that uh, gives us a, well, more than a clue. It just lets us know when virtue is lost, then there is, um, well, when the Tao is lost, then there is the virtue of humanity. When that's lost, then justice. We have to put laws in place. And then when that's lost, then expediency. And when that happens, we are at the beginning of chaos. So how to turn this around then becomes the question. How, um, if there's a hope or if there's an answer, we had a, a, a retreat this week and uh, I, I um, first heard the speaker that we invited uh, three or four years ago and we were talking at that time specifically around climate change or what we need to do to uh, reverse uh, the pattern that we were, the direction that we were heading in towards saving the planet, ergo saving uh, ourselves. And it was a great dialogue to start. But here we are four years late and everything's continuing to go in that same direction. And here was the dialogue again. And we're thinking that we're past dialogue now, that they take some concrete actions. And what it reminded me of is our spiritual journey, that we can get better and better at talking the talk. <laughs> but the proof is in how we walk our walk. And the 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 joy and the contentment that we have day by day because we are going to be confronted with the vicissitudes of life. Uh, you know, getting spiritual does not mean everything becomes hunky-dory and everything and every 
day becomes like a happy day theoretically outside. It does mean, though, that we have to recognize that we have the capacity to deal with the vicissitudes of life. And that's where the joy comes from, our, our ability to cope, our, uh, our capacity to hold things, our, uh, our flexibility, our, the, uh, to be able to bounce back, to be able to gather ourselves up, gird ourselves up, and to go again. To be able to put aside our um, view of what has occurred in the past to be able to sit in the present and not tie it to the past or not tie my um, continuing relationship with that person based on the relationship or something that has happened in the past. In other words, we have to have the capacity to keep starting over. That doesn't mean that we throw all wisdom out the window, but it does mean that we reframe or, or we uh, restructure how uh, we choose to approach or what our attitude or relationship uh, to the present moment is and how we can detach it from the last moment. That's how you give a, give a person another chance. You know, that's how a person gives you another chance. That's how a person gives me another chance. And so life is, is just a continual um, exercising of chances, another chance to do something different today. It's a recognition that there's so many things that come into the present moment that are not a part of the, the incident or the issue that's occurring, yet it is affecting this present moment. And more of it is in that realm or that scope than actually what's happening at the, at the present moment. I was just reading something, you know, it's, a, it's amazing how just one little bit of information can change the way you uh, understand something or the way you view something or your attitude about something. And... Um, uh, I was watching a, 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 a film, and I found out that 90 of all of our cells, only 10% are human cells. The other 90% are the cells of other things like, uh, I don't know, like microbes, like viruses, like bacteria, like whatever else is in our body. Only 10% of it is human self. So 90% is not even me. And just thinking about that, like it really helps to change how I hold myself. I mean, I've been thinking about this all week since I learned this fact. I've been like, how does that change or just the way that I think about who I am, that I think about even what I am. And there's not that much I there, 10%. So one, in one way, it has encouraged me because I don't have that as much of self to get rid of as I thought of. <laughs> you know, but, but, but seriously, something is, you know, has been shaken up in there. 
And I really do feel more encouraged and more confident because I don't have I have 90% less work to do than I thought I'd do. So my, this is some hope for me. Maybe in this life, awakening is possible. <laughs> then I learned about something about our DNA. You might have to help me with this, Pony Deeper. But it said we have 97, I think it was 97 point something percent of the same DNA as a chimpanzee. We have 98 point something percent of the same DNA as a bonobo, as a bonobo. But now the chimpanzee is a fighting species. Oh, this is, this is huge. Chimpanzee is a fighting species. Uh, this is not to be sexist, but it is uh, 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 male dominated. And aggression is its tool of dominance. The bonobo is a matriarchal society and lovemaking is their uh, means of dominance. So I was just thinking that if we did not that there is hope for us. And we talk about the feminine principle, it's not like just the woman principle, but it is actually the call of nature bringing us back into harmony about that aspect of us and showing that it is a, um, that there can be an alternative to the ways that we approach winning that does not involve, uh, fighting and warring and killing. And actually we possess 98% of the genes that another species has demonstrated the possibility of, of living the love life as opposed to the warring life. And it's just exciting to me because sometimes I think there's no hope for humankind, you know? But now when I look at even at the monkey kingdom, you know, and I see two species very similar, you know, and yet one wins by warring and the other wins by loving. So it's giving me hope for the human species. I told Pony Deep, I said, you know, Pony Deep, I'm going to get me a, a, a T-shirt. And that T-shirt is, is going to say, like, I'm a, what do you call it again? Uh, uh, I'm with the bonobo clan, but I said I can't. I, but I said I can't do it because I'm black, and there's some that already call me part of the monkey clan. You see, uh, but I can still think it, right? I can still, I can still think it because I think that there's something useful and beneficial in understanding and looking on these sides and seeing that nature has is demonstrating something there, something that we can all, uh, if we want to grasp it in our way and we can find hope, we can find, uh, we can find hope. So today my talk was about a few other scientific facts. For instance, did you know that, uh, your heart emits an electromagnetic field that 
changes according to our emotional state. And that's why others can pick up on it, you know, on the quality of your emotions without you opening your mouth. I mean, you can walk into a room and you can like test the temperature of the room because the electromagnetic field that is emanating from each person is uh, 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 overlapping, looping, overlapping with your own field. And you can know something besides what they might say. You can know something about how they really feel. And science has discovered that the heart has a, 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 like a brain of its own, its own intrinsic uh, nervous system uh, that can sense, it can feel, it can learn, and it can remember. So that's a, that's a quality or a capacity that, that or at least when I was in school, was given to the brain. The brain does this. That's why between the brain and the heart, you better listen to your brain. Uh, but... Now they have discovered that the heart has a kind of brain of its own and that the heart actually sends more information to the brain than the brain sends to the heart. And it says that stressful emotions then create nervous system chaos uh, and positive emotions do the opposite. Now, there's a coherence that uh, for optimal uh, functioning, a resonance and a coherence that needs to be set up between the heart and the brain. And when we don't have that, we become confused. And when we're trying to interact uh, with someone else and we don't have that coherence here, then we... Uh, we outpicture that confusion, and it doesn't have as much to do with the person or the situation we're interacting with as it does with the internal uh, uh, incoherence. And so I'm thinking about this and what the implications are, how the Buddha 2,500 years ago started talking about these kinds of things and how the sages from oh, many different spiritual disciplines talks about the heart. Though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels and have not love, I'm sounding brass and tinkling cymbal, and though I give my body to be burned and yet have not love, I'm nothing. Love suffers long and it's kind. It's not puffed up. And, it, and so it goes into uh, this discourse. Uh, every spiritual tradition, wisdom tradition, takes us into a discourse of the qualities of the heart. But yet our science devoted itself to the qualities of the mind that they consider to be encapsulated in the brain. And so science tells us that out of pure awareness, this consciousness compacts and compacts and compacts and produces things physical. So if we start from the physical end, we might misunderstand some things. 
And we've come to the place in our science that we're asking that question now. <laughs> Did we start from the wrong end? Oh, but you said we didn't have the technology we have today to be able to come to this conclusion. The outer technology, no. But the sages have provided the technology to us from the very beginning. And so the core uh, signs or symbols from the heart, that would be joy, appreciation, hospitality, generosity, compassion, loving kindness, you know, altruistic joy in the successes of others. These kinds of things, these proceed from the heart. And if we can learn to step back from a minute, for a minute, from the, the signals that come from the brain and allow the brain to be informed by the greater vessel, then the kind of change we are looking for, we will become that. And so here's the good thing. If we're willing to do the hard work to shift our commitment from, um, from self-preservation, to shift our commitment from what's best for me and mine, to shift our commitment from a sense of there's only so much to go around, to uh, a commitment to harmlessness, a commitment to tolerance, a commitment to sharing, a commitment to forgiveness, a commitment to seeing each day fresh, a commitment to starting over. If we're willing, and that's the first part of this, there has to be the willingness first. I will. The wanting to, that's what I mean. <laughs> we all want to when everything's going good for us. But when it doesn't look like it's in our, our uh, favor, are we willing then? That's when willingness really counts. Uh, in the Tao Te Ching, it says uh, we need to be careful about looking upon gain with so much favor. Because it makes, it creates in us an inability to tolerate lack. And so it's in these kinds of ways that we're going to have to shift our mind, our, our uh, ways of thinking. And the yeah, but start coming up here. Yeah. yeah, but. But it's at first, you know, not so many yeah, buts will come up. When the willingness is really there, you know, it's like, yeah, I know I keep doing this, but if I really was willing to lay down something that has some value to gain something that has even a greater value, then that's the way 
we need to shift and turn our thinking. Sacrificing a little thing to inherit a greater thing is no sacrifice at all. It truly is the common sense, but it's the common sense that arises not from the head, but that arises from the heart. So when the Buddha was talking about chitta, he wasn't talking about the mind. So we got all of this mindfulness stuff that is all around how to be happier with our things, how to be better at what we do, how to get more of what we want, how do we, but that's not it. And so we see it already vectoring off, you know, in a dangerous direction, particularly at a time of disintegration where duh has been lost. Thou lost. Duh virtue lost. Justice lost. Devolving into chaos. Is there any hope? Is there any answer? He says, and it starts with each one of us. And so the question was posed in the retreat. Um, which is most important? Should we work on our personal virtue? Or is it more important for us to uh, work at tearing down these destructive systems? Because it's the systems that have us all enslaved. And that was the opinion of the speaker, that we need to turn our focus to the systems. But I say, how can we turn our focus to the systems? We are the system. And it takes each one of us making the personal commitment, the willingness, and then the commitment, and then actually doing it, even if we don't do it well, just doing it as well as we can, but absolutely doing as well as we can. When we are in the throes of our conflict, or our sense of fear, or our sense of, of outrage, can we then, right then, right there, walk in that commitment, do the best we can? And in time, the mind will begin to incline in that way. And it becomes easier and easier to overlook a fault, easier and easier to uh, start over, easier and easier to forget. One time, Panya Deepa was asked, um, what did the Buddha teach about forgiveness? And he said, well, you know, actually, if we're not judging, <laughs> there's nothing to forgive. So it, he, the Buddha was teaching a change of view, a different way, restructuring uh, the appearances of things so that we see them in a different way. And it doesn't mean that there is no discernment. It just means, as he said, one of a hating temperament condemns living beings. One of a understanding temperament simply judges the wrong thought, but not the person. This is where we start, abandoning judgment of one another. And if we do that, we'll be able to see even with more clarity that which needs to be uprooted because we won't feel personally attacked. We won't feel uh, like we have to conceal or hide anything. It's like, oh, need to work on that and just, and just work on it. You know, that's it. 
And there will be the freedom to make a mistake in an environment of acceptance. When I got the vision for Hardwood, I saw it as um, like a city set high up on a hill. Not because we're in the mountains, but because of the, the light that was streaming forth, it, that was absolute non-judgment, yet total discernment. <laughs> and that it is possible. And so we find ourselves here, bit by bit, you know, uh, just taking one step after the other, one step after the other, holding fast to this vision of being a place. And people say it already. And we're just at the beginning. They say it already when we come here. It's something so special. It just feel loved. I'm like, you should be here Monday through Friday, you know, when you come for that weekend. When we come for the weekend retreat, I mean, everybody's on their best behavior. It's Monday through Friday. But we're working on it, and we really are working on it. And so many liken this voice or, or this uh, heart impulse, this uh, energetic of the heart, they liken it to an inner voice um, that speaks to us, letting us know what is the most Beneficial yet harmless. Takes both beneficial and harmless action that we can take. Or what's the most beneficial, true, yet harmless word that we can utter. But with our personal discipline, our ego, and our rationalization from the Mind that gets all of these uh, uh, signals from the outer world, from what we hear and uh, see and taste and touch and smell and think that forms our memories and our opinions. It gives us a, a chance to set that aside, set aside what concerns me the most and overriding that intuitive voice. We do damage. But as we begin to listen to that inner voice, taking that pause, we tell it to our children. It doesn't go for adults. It just goes for children. When they come running, all this, slow down. Take a deep breath. Count to ten. To stop. But then when we get grown, we don't have to do these things, right? But if we did them, Slow down this discursive thinking. Give the heart a chance to speak. And when it speaks to us, not even taking an action until the heart speaks, and then we can answer. And it will provide us more than the years of accumulated knowledge that we get from the outside. Because it gives, it opens us to be up to being able to understand who we call the other, the living being standing in front of us. And the reason we can understand is because we don't have to try to think of what they're thinking, but the resonance overlapping 
tells us what their intention is. There's a way that we can know beyond the verbal expression. And that's why sometimes a person acts in a certain manner, but yet one knows their heart. Sometimes they say things in a certain way, but yet one knows their heart. This synergy occurs sometimes by chance. But what if through cultivation and development, we were consciously flowing in it all the time. So we don't have to come up with so many things out here. We could just start working with this as an experiment and see what happens. Now here's the exciting part for me, that the same way that I have an electromagnetic field, right? The earth has an electromagnetic field. And the Buddha said that we should recognize that we are earth, air, fire, water, and space. And he said that when we meditate, that we should even meditate on this. So what happens then? When I am meditating on this, when I am coming in, uh, getting in touch with the electromagnetic field of the earth that is motivated by the highest qualities of human consciousness. I think we have tools to use and we have means and ways to accomplish something that's not going to be like the blunt instruments that we are thinking that we have to use that don't do much good. I think there are some sharper, higher vibrational tools available to us, but we have to get into a certain state, a certain place to tap into them. And it all starts just with cultivating the good heart. So my encouragement to you today is to ponder this possibility to change the whole world just takes each one of us changing ourselves. Pulling ourselves up into our highest vibrational positions and this and allowing the mind and the heart to establish a coherence. And when we are in tune with our own selves like this, when we come into contact with each other, we will set up that loop. And that produces then a social coherence. And when our groups are interacting with similar groups who are doing the same thing, then we will ultimately end up with a global coherence. And because we are comprised of the elements of the universe itself, 
we will set up a coherence with the earth that can lead to a sustainable peace. I believe it's possible. I was just thinking, and I'm through, about how I remember one day there was the Berlin Wall and had been there for a long time. And then the next day, it was not. I remember when there was the Cold War and the USSR one day. And the next day, it had fallen. And to this day, I don't know all the ingredients that brought about that change. I don't know what happened that caused overnight for there to be the collapse of something. But what I do know is that things are always collapsing overnight. And there is the great possibility that some things that we see in the world today that are not good, that are not useful, that are not beneficial, if we are doing our inside work, we wake up one morning and that outer system has collapsed. This is my hope for injustice. This is my hope for poverty. We have to use a different set of tools. If we look to the sages, we find those that are sharp and effective. Thank you so much for coming today. May you be well and happy and peaceful. May no harm come to you and no danger. And may you always be able to meet the inevitable difficulties of life.